Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for choosing to spend your afternoon here with us. For those who don't know, I'm Patricia Ogan-Faber, and I do a podcast show to help people maximise property values. It is called Maximising Property Values, and it's on all the popular platforms. It's on Apple, Spotify, Google, Audible, blah, blah, all of them. That, however, is a monologue. So it's just me talking about my experiences and giving people tips and trying to help people with what they are doing. And I have now added a guest series where I have a star who comes and talks to us about what they are doing. And it's all about trying to help people who don't have as much experience as perhaps, you know, some people like me and Louise might have. And, you know, people might just be able to take one thing or two things away from it. And just last week, we had Spencer, a young lad, but with his head just screwed on so right. So, you know, and again, these guest series, they are all bonus scenes on the Maximising Property Values podcast show. So you can click on the link above and you can just listen to, you know, the podcasts on your favourite listening app. They're all there. But my guest today is Louise Reynolds and we are going, Louise, we are going to look into your life a little bit before we go into property. And so, <laughs> Louise is, oh, she's an amazing lady, very, very kind. And she is into property, but we will hear from her. So I won't do an intro, Louise, because I think you will be best doing your intro. But before we get to that, firstly, I'd like to say, Louise, welcome to Maximising Property Values. And before we go into your property activities, so listen to this, Louise, please tell us of one thing in your life that you regret till today. So that's one. And then the second thing is something that still makes you beam. So those are two things and they cannot be property related. <laughs> I like putting people on the spot. <laughs> oh, I just, <clears throat> when you were asking that question, uh, Patricia, and also thank you very much for the warm welcome and um, the setting up that's um that's wonderful and it's a delight to be here because i always love chatting to you and um always find it very stimulating um i learn so much and i think you're a very kind lady patricia so your question something that's a regret in life so i was going to say about property um about not getting into you're it you're not allowed <laughs> um, i'm not allowed but <laughs> um a life regret, I think, for me is, uh, it's a bit philosophical, is that I have spent too much of my life focusing on trying to plug my weaknesses rather than playing to my strengths. So <clears throat> I suppose it's a bit like the grass always seems greener on the other side or, or, or whatever it is, but throughout, so I... You know, I've, I've got a varied background. Um, I've got a lot of business experience. I've spent um, time in line marketing and sales roles in the drinks industry and financial services over decades worth of experience in management consultancy. And what what I am trying to do now is be in flow. So actually trying to play more to my strengths so that what I do in life and my journey 
oh, I can't mention property, but it's, it's, it's all flowing a bit more naturally. I sometimes think that I have made life far too difficult for myself, particularly in business, um, because I've, 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 I suppose I've focused too much on what my negatives are rather than my positives and my strengths and spent a lot of time trying to plug, plug those and build them up um, rather than and compensate for them rather than building on my strengths um, and appreciating them and playing to them more. I think I would have been a lot more successful had I done that. So uh, what, what can I say? So I'm, you know, I um, always thought I wanted to be more on the marketing side than the sales side. But in reality, I am probably better at doing business development and dealing with people. I love negotiating. I love doing deals. Um, I'm quite risk averse, so I do check things out. So, you know, I've, I've got some natural inclinations and some core strengths. And I, I just think I haven't played to those enough or built on those enough. And I've probably looked for jobs or done things um, where I am trying to plug gaps. I've probably gone for jobs and ended up being very frustrated and not being as successful um, or it's taken a long while to get a job I've wanted um, because I've been sort of barking up the wrong tree. Um, I mean, in terms of on a on a personal front, I don't I don't think I have. You know, I'm 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 very lucky in um, I have found you know my 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 partner in you know my best friend in life, my husband, um, and we've been together now thirty years. Uh, we have two wonderful children who are now grown up and finding their their way um, in life. Uh, my son has, has has just graduated from Portsmouth University and he's finding his way in life. Um, and my daughter is at university, and so she's sort of going through that process. So um, I've been I've been very lucky in my personal life. You know, I've I've had quite a few glitches, <laughs> quite a few glitches along the way, but I don't I don't think I have any regrets. Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I was just literally just agreeing with you that because that happens with everyone, doesn't it? If, if you know, if we're going to be honest, nothing ever goes completely smoothly. It's, you know, a bit of up and down, a bit of up and down. And then you come out at the end and you say, yes, that was worth it. And yeah, it's all quite good. So and, and I'm loving what you're actually sharing with people because you know there might be some younger people in the audience who might be thinking, oh, do you know, my life is not going according to plan. Um, I want this and I want that. And it's not how, to me, and you know, you're literally just underscoring that is, you know, we always learn about ourselves through life. And sometimes it takes us a bit longer to actually get to where we need to be in terms of understanding ourselves and knowing exactly what we want to do and where we want to go. But it's never too late in life. So honestly, thank you for sharing that. Oh, um, <clears throat> and I suppose the other thing, the other thing in terms of, of, of regret is um, perhaps being too proud at times. Um, you know, I would consider myself a you know, fairly well-educated person. I've been to university, um, but I've, 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 that has held me back sometimes because when I've, you know, got into my working life and all the rest of it, I felt there was so much more I should know um, than I did. And I think that feeling quite proud and, and um, 
not wanting to feel ashamed by by um, actually owning up to well, I don't know this and asking for help. So actually that I'm probably um, giving you uh, um, a number of regrets now, but actually not not asking for help, not opening up a bit more, not um, sharing with others that I might not know everything. Um, kind of I've had a bit of a facade at times in my life where I've hidden some of those things um, and not wanted to open up. Um, and I think that's kind of helped me back a bit so um at times i think i've ended up being a, a slow learner because of of holding myself uh, back and oh god i was gonna gosh i was gonna verge on to uh, property there but yeah so um just 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 that patricia but you wanted to, you had another question didn't you it it was it was what what um something else that makes you beam it kind of like you know still still makes you beam so you know like you know something that just puts a massive smile on your face um and that's happened in the past and it could have been something that happened you know 20 30 40 years ago could have been 50 years ago whenever but when whenever it crosses your mind it puts a massive smile on your face okay so actually this probably comes back a little bit to um my point about wanting to be in flow a bit more <clears throat> and actually the point that you measure about if things don't always go on you know go, go according to plan or stay on track you know don't be put off by that um it, it was actually i mean this is just top of mind i'm sure there's plenty of others but being put on the spot the thing that springs to mind uh, apart from all the wonderful things in my personal life you know having having a wonderful family and um, husband is a personal thing in that um, I don't normally win at competitions or auctions or any of those kind of things. And I entered a, um, it sounds small, but it meant an awful lot to me. It was a sort of a, 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 a cycling competition. It was like on a fixed bike in a gym. And this was decades ago. Um, it's got to be, I don't know, 25 years or so ago. And it wasn't long after we moved into our property and there was a gym opposite our road and we, we 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 joined my husband and I and we were you know going over there on a regular basis and there was this competition it was who can who can cycle the you know cover I can't remember what it was now five kilometers in the in the in the um in, in the quickest time and there was this um not quite a trial before but they they needed to assess people's fitness levels and you know give everybody a sort of grading so that there is it's a bit like golfing handicap to make sure that everybody was on a, a on an even keel and um so we all had these <clears throat> this grading or this, this this handicap if you like and i um took part in this I, I don't have a particularly great lung capacity so i would have had a um possibly a high a high-ish handicap but also i had um just recovered from <clears throat> flu i think it was and i was really not firing on all cylinders so i thought you know what i'm just i'm just going to go for this just going to go for it i'm probably going to fall off the bike at the end of it and um there was a prize which was a muddy fox bike and i never had a muddy fox bike i haven't really had any um uh, bike and i just thought you know what i'm going all out for this i quite like the idea of having a muddy fox bike and um i absolutely pushed myself to the limit <clears throat> i almost threw up at the end of this um this stint and the woman next to me couldn't believe that I'd beaten her because <clears throat> I just said you know I'm, I'm just recovering from the flu and all the rest of it and I, I suspect she probably was a lot fitter than I was but I was just so determined I wanted to win this bike and that I never win at anything so 
that was it. I was going flat out and I won this thing. And um, it, it still makes me feel elated now. Why does it make me feel elated now and put a big smile across my face? Well, um, for a start, uh, we, I've still got the Muddy Fox bike, so it's very, very old now. And um, I see it every time I go out of the front door. But also, it was just when things are going bad, you need that one little story, that one thing where you think, oh, God, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. And then you really, really give it your all. Um, and sometimes it just works. So that 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 was my story about what makes me beanie. Wow, I you know I love little things like that, and you know for people in the room, Louise didn't know that I was going to ask her those questions, and none of the guests actually know which questions I'm going to ask them, and the questions do change from guest to guest, so that we get to actually see the person behind that social media person, you know, picture and, and persona. Great stuff. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, um, Louise. Now. When did you, so now let's start with property. <laughs> when did you buy your first property? And can you just kind of like tell us a bit about it? Was it for you to live in? Was it for investment purposes? If it wasn't for investment purposes, when did you buy your first investment purposes? And what did that look like? You know, what was your experience? Can you share with us? Sure. Um, <clears throat> well, actually, my, my first property that I ever bought, I wanted to get on the property ladder quite early on. And because I'd been to university, you know, I was, I, you know, I was in my early 20s um, and I was living and working in London. Um, and I really like the idea of uh, getting on the property ladder. And I, you know, I probably did the wrong things in that I, well, the only way that I could afford to, to buy in London was putting a number of things in place. And I ended up buying there was a bit of a plan there that I ended up buying a <clears throat> three bed duplex. So it's a first floor flat. It was just um, a house that had been converted into a ground floor flat and a, and a, and a first floor flat. And <clears throat> my idea was to live in it and, you know, to, so that I wasn't paying rent anymore and then to rent out two of the rooms. Now, um, I probably didn't buy in the best possible road because it was a road near a railway track. Um, so it was, you know, the next road up would have, you know, gone up in capital value a lot, a lot um, quicker than mine did. But it served a purpose. It got it got me on the property ladder. Um, it, you know, it's pretty much self-funding because the rental, in fact, it, you know, I probably I I can't remember the exact numbers now, but I know it worked out well financially in terms of income and um, getting on the property ladder. What didn't work out quite so well was um, interest rates, <clears throat> which were very different um, to what they are now. I think it went up to about 15.4%. This is like late 80s. This was about 1987, 1986, 1987. So, um, the, the, the flat that I bought was in Alexandra Palace. And at that stage, it was not particularly well known part of, of, of London. It was great because you could walk to Wood Green tube station. It also had um, its own train station, uh, you know, for getting into London. It was it was easy and quick. We had Alexandra Palace there, but, it, you know, it wasn't it's a bit of a rundown place. It, you know, it wasn't a venue as it has become now. Uh, so the only way I could get on the on the property ladder was doing that. But I also used and I don't know how many people know are familiar with the rent a room scheme so when you're a landlord well not a landlord when you're a live-in landlord 
you can benefit from the rent a room scheme. So you get, um, uh, you know, tax free income, uh, an allowance of tax free income. Um, and I'm trying to remember what the, the limit is. I mean, I think it's about seven, you might know Patricia, but it's about £7,000 or something now. Then it was probably about half of that. Uh, but it made a big difference. So that was the only way that I could afford to get onto um, the property ladder. Um, and I, I think I probably ended up in negative equity at the time because um, of, of the way that the market went. Um, but at least, you know, I, I had a bit of a padding there when the interest rates were, interest rates were so high because of the rental income from the other rooms. Um, but yeah, so that, that I think is the property I didn't make as much money on as I thought I would. But, um, you know, I had a place to live. I owned, I got on the property ladder, I had income um, and I could live in, 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 in London, which was all, it all worked fine. In terms of um, my first investment, that was back in um, 2007. And oddly enough, my first uh, investment property uh, was abroad. And I know that a lot of people are very you know, scared about buying abroad. There are a lot more risks associated with it. And there's lots of stories that do the rounds on property circuits about, you know, not buying abroad and, you know, scams and all the rest of it. But all of those stories that I listen to, I just think there's a big piece of the jigsaw that's been missing, and that's due diligence. And for some reason, even, you know, uh, people who are investors um, in the UK, they, they don't always translate through their due diligence in another country um, in the same way that they do in the UK. Uh, and probably ought to be doing um, a bit more because there's so much more to learn. Um, so for me, it's worked out well. <clears throat> Due diligence is a bit of a hallmark of mine because I'm quite a risk averse investor. I do have to do a lot of, you know, just checking things out to, to even get comfortable. Um, and I check things out. And it also happened at the same time that I started my business, Property Venture, back in 2007. So I'm someone who kind of looks, um, likes to put my money where my mouth is. So Property Venture I set up to help others um, invest in property. And I also wanted to put my money where my mouth was and do it myself. Um, because at that time I was helping people buy in continental Europe more than in the UK. So I um, did up, made our first investment property in Krakow in Poland. And it was set out to be a buy to let um bought it bought the locate bought it on the property and the location um because it was it well it still is um in an in an area where there's lots and lots of businesses and in fact over the years what are we now so that's like 14 years we've always had a um you know, working, uh, you know, professional in there. There was actually at one stage we did, we did have um, 12 months we had students, which was, didn't work out in quite the same way, but we've, we've had um, professional tenants there, um, renting, it's worked well. Um, you know, it, 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 it's on a different scale in a way to some of the, um, you know, the, the, the UK stuff because the capital appreciation isn't quite as high. You know, the, 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 um, uh, rental income isn't as much but then you know I got on the property ladder there I think it was about 57k bought a one bed it's about 38 square meter um, flat it was at that time at the end of a tube line a tram a tube sorry tram line um, so yeah that's a bit of a difference um, 
So, it, you know, seven minutes um, on the tram into the city centre. Um, and since then, the tram line has been extended. So it's no longer at the end of the tram line. So there's much more <clears throat> suburban build that has made Krakow spread further out. So that, I mean, that's worked uh, really well for us. But the point is that, you know, I checked it all out. And um, in fact, another dimension to mention about it was it what is now called um, Gaining Airspace. So it was an old <clears throat> tenement building of about, two, I think it was two stories. It then um, got built up another two stories. So we got like a new build, all the benefits of new build, but on a character um, property and I, I quite like um, if I'm buying um, a, a flat or helping others buy a flat I quite like smaller buildings um, which are a bit more manageable rather than sort of big bigger buildings with you know I don't know hundreds and hundreds of units in just makes it um, a bit more intimate and a bit easier when you're coming to to rent because there's not lots and lots of units that need to be rented uh, potentially at the same you know, Louise, the number of times that I have said we are so similar, okay, maybe not appearance wise, <laughs> but in terms of, you know, our ethos, what we like, how we do things, it is just uncanny. Amazing, 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 amazing. And funnily, actually, you bought your first property in Alexander Palace. My first buy was actually in Crouch End, just down the road. So a little bit more in common there. Um, amazing. So now this 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 place in Poland. Um, I'm just trying to. So can you just walk us through the procedure? How you found it? Why you looked there? Um, if you had to raise money, how easy it was? If somebody wants to do it now. I know that you're a buying agent and we will come to that. But if somebody, say, for instance, decided that they wanted to do it on their own. And by the way, people in the room, I am not advising that you do that. I always say to people, if you're going to do something for the first time, go and get somebody who is experienced doing what you want to do and let them walk you through that transaction. And then if in the future you want to do another one or, you know, subsequent ones, then you will be well prepared to do so. So I'm not saying go and buy it on your own. But Louise, just in case there is somebody here who thinks they're a super person and they can do it on their own. Can you just walk us through the process that you actually went through or that somebody might have to go through today? That would be really helpful. Uh, OK, so um, <clears throat> one of the things that I have done in property is bring some of the tools and techniques that I learned and developed and models, if you like, in my business life and management consultancy into property. Um, and I've, I used a framework, and this is quite high level, um, particularly when you're looking at a different geography or a different location or looking abroad. Um, and it's a mnemonic. And it's called step led. So each of those letters. Sorry, step led. Step led. Step led. Um, so each of those letters stands for something. So I, I will just quickly run through just do an overview of what it is. And if um, anybody is interested, I mean, if they want to follow me or message me or whatever, I, I, you know, I can, I can um, send them something on it if they, if they, if they're interested and don't want to end up taking taking notes because I've got I've got link tree links and stuff. But anyway, so step led. So each of those letters stand for something. So S is, is for the, the social side of things. The T is for, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the technology or um, infrastructure, if you like. The E is for the economic 
situation that can be at country level or the um, local area. Um, P is for political um, and that works actually um, abroad as well as in the UK. You know, what's the political um, situation? Because, you know, whether you've got a, a Tory or a Green or a, um, a Labour-run council also has an influence um, as well as being abroad. So for ex what, what I mean by that as well is, you know, a lot of continental European countries are open to foreign investors. Um, but if you are investing in country like Russia or China, you know, the political setup would be um, very different in terms of how welcoming they are of um, external investors. The L is for legal. Uh, it can also be, you know, what's the legal setup? What's the, what are the tenancy laws like? What's it like? What's the buying process? And in continental Europe, the buying process is, is very different to here. Um, it's a, a notarized buying process. So the whole thing is 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 pretty different. <clears throat> the um, E is for the environment. So, for example, if you are looking at buying a holiday let or investing in a holiday let, if you're buying in an area of outstanding national beauty, you can quite often uh, command a, a premium than if you're not in one. So in the environment is relevant in certain circumstances. And the D is for demographic. What's the um, population makeup of the of the population, you know, of, of, of that area or of that country? And, you know, if your st chosen strategy is bungalow flips, you want to be making sure that there is sufficient stock in the area, one thing. But in terms of the profile of the local residents, you know, is there an aging population? Is there a big cohort of um, people who, whatever age they might be, um, are going to want to live in a in a bungalow? So I use that as a framework to check everything out. So but Louise, before you carry on, just in case people are taking notes, can you just literally just quickly just run through them again? Just, you know, one word for each of those letters and then, you know, carry on so that in case they've missed any of them. Yeah, so, so S is for social, T is for technology, E is for economic, P is for political, um, L is for legal, E is for environment, D is for demographic. Brilliant. Oh, yes, yeah, so I'll, ju I'll just carry on then on, on, on that bit about buying buying abroad. So, I mean, I just did a lot of um, checking out of the kind of services and people I would be working with. So, you know, I found a bilingual lawyer, found a very good um, agent who is also bilingual, um, you know, checked out, you know, what the, all of the kinds of things like the letting rules and regulations you know what the you know where the demand was going to be all the normal kind of things that you would do in the UK but with a big emphasis on the people side of things because one of the things that i say um about distance investing if you are investing or buying out of area you're you know with the best will in the world you're going to be a bit more reliant on people on the ground you know if there's a problem that arises or you need a bit of an insight or something being checked out you need to have someone there who you trust who can sort things out for you and you know that, that that side of due diligence checking out the people I think is one thing that a, a lot of people overlook or they are potentially more trusting than they uh, it would be advisable to be um, and particularly when you're dealing with stuff at distance you you know it's all very well having a letting agent who says oh yes this is our process for finding a a tenant and this is how we set up contracts and all the rest of it this is how we manage the property 
how many times we go and visit and all the rest of it. But it's it's important to ask some of the tricky questions like, you know, how do you deal with things if there's a, a leak or, you know, so, you know, something that's um, isn't normal run of the mill, but might actually happen because you want to, to check that you're in safe hands. And that's, you know, you, you mentioned, Patricia, about we have a similar approach to things. You know, it's, it's that kind of softer thing, making sure that the person you're dealing with has some empathy with how you work and how you want things done so that, you know, you, you, you feel that you're in safe hands so that if there's a problem that arises, you, you, you know that they've got your back and they can help. So I think that people side of things has been quite important in terms of what I've checked out as well. Oh my goodness, thank you so much. Do you know, the value that I am getting from you guests is just immense. It's just amazing. And you know, to see you actually, to listen to you actually break that process down. Because you see, now when I do things, I just do things because I know what I'm doing. It's like, I'm doing it instinctively. But by you breaking it down, it's just helping people know what you know, what things they need to be taking into account and i have found that really really useful so i'm gonna i'm gonna steal your step lead um because it, it's the, you know there's no point in saying to somebody yes that you because know, i can look at say for instance a flat or a house in a particular area and i will know once i've crunched certain figures whether it's worth buying or not but i i've never really kind of like you know breaking it broken it down in my head in the way that you've done, which I think would be helpful, you know, for people who are a bit less experienced. So that is just so, so good. So in terms of, okay, so you say it's not really appreciated in value, you know, capital wise, what about returns? Are you able to share with us um, what sort of returns you are making from, you know, your property in Poland? Yeah, sure. Uh, no, it, ha it has gone up, uh, Patricia, but it's not it's not gone up in the same way that my um, investments in, in Surrey, where I'm based, has. But just on the on the point of step led. Yeah, I know, uh, you know, you, you, you know your stuff inside out. So you automatically and intuitively do that. And that's and that's great. But a, a, an awful lot of it is also I mean, you're very, very experienced. You know an awful lot of stuff, but you also know your area. And sometimes I think just having a framework or a checklist if you're doing something slightly different, so say you decided to go and invest in a different area, Patricia, um, <clears throat> you know, I don't know, Sussex, Hampshire, or whatever, that you might not be quite so familiar with as you are with London and, and where you invest. Sometimes it just helps bring a different perspective and a checklist uh, where you just wouldn't need it because you're so intuitive when you're investing in London. Um, so that's that's just the point there about the the, the step-led mnemonic and checklist. Um, oh, Louise, do you know what? Before you go on, you've just actually reminded me of something which I thought I'd throw into the podcast, which I don't normally do because when I have guests, they 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 just they are my stars and and, and they are the people talking. But you, um, a few months ago, I was going to invest in Ramsgate. Now. After Brexit, Ramsgate was supposed to be the place where all the goods were going to, it, it, it was going to be the main port for, um, you know, ferry imports from, from Europe. 
So immediately I thought, boom, that's the place to go. That's the place to actually invest because there's going to be so much business and so much transport and everything. So the point that I'm trying to make to people is when you're doing your due diligence, don't just do it in the beginning. Do it constantly, you know, refresh it. Do it maybe, like Louise said, if it's an area that you don't know, maybe, you know, review it every month before you actually commit. Because what then happened was... Um, the um maybe the local authority or the council decided they didn't have enough money to upgrade um the port to what it needed to be in order to actually take you know the traffic that the government said would be coming to ramsgate and the whole project was actually abandoned and fortunately i picked that up before i was able to you know before i committed and left so, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. But, you know, I just wanted to add that, you know, people should really just refresh that, you know, refresh their due diligence, refresh their research, refresh, you know, all the things that are making them go to a particular area. Because if something changes, it could, it could mean the difference between break even and loss. Yeah, and no, that's a very <clears throat> important point, actually, about infrastructure, um, Patricia, because, uh, yes, I mean, as we've, we've, we've seen, if you invest solely based on some kind of infrastructure improvement, um, you could be left high and dry. So take, you know, the, the recent announcement with, with, with HS2, you know, the eastern leg has, has, has been dropped. If you look at the Freeport status conferred on um, a number of cities across the UK, um, by Rishi Sunak in the budget, <clears throat> you know, there's the, the, it's a mute point about whether it's actually going to be effective or, or, or work. And again, with um, um, buying abroad, if you're buying where there's only one way of access, say if you're buying a holiday home, you know, if you're if you're you, you want to go out there regularly, if you're um, buying in an area that's quite touristic rather than year round, um, and it's there's only one airport that you can get access to it. If you know airline routes are disrupted in any shape or form, then again, it, it does put you in a vulnerable position. So it is a question of thinking through all of that infrastructure, transportation, and having a number of options, not being over reliant on one on one thing. Um, yeah, no. So in um, in Krakow, I bought um, as I say, I think it was it was about um, fifty eight. K um, is one bed property and it's probably worth um, maybe about 90k now so it has it has gone up over that um, time but not not as much in terms of capital growth that I've experienced for example I've got um, uh, a rental property in Surrey um, and that's doubled in value in um, 10 years so you know the capital appreciation is is not quite comparable. I mean, it's been it's been fine. Um, we've made money on it. We've had regular income coming in uh, because we've had regular tenants because we bought in an area where there were a number of multinational firms, um, and they've got workers. They've got contract workers. So that you know that that side of things has played out. That was the intention was to have regular. <clears throat> tenants um, in on long-standing contracts um, and, and interestingly I think it's partly to do with the fact that it's a one-bed flat it's near um, you know a business it's, it's in a nice area it's it's been it was an up-and-coming area uh, which has been a bit more gentrified as there's been more building work going on out further in the suburbs um, so it had you know I bought on the basis that it was it, 
wasn't that great when we bought in it, but it, it was meant to be um, up and coming in it. And that has happened. Um, but we also knew there was demand because the here and now at that time was that there were businesses there, international businesses employing um, workers, not only in Poland, but across central Europe. So we've had um, a, a, a Czech tenant, we've had Romanians, we've had Polish um, and it's all, you know, and, and that's all worked out. So we've had ongoing, the, the only blip um, was when we did depart from our professional tenants and we did have um, uh, lawyers, uh, sorry, legal um, students in and they weren't, um, and it, that wasn't a great experience. I know that some, some people in here are investors and they just dedicate themselves to student and that's fine. Uh, but for us in our flat, we ended up, it's, I think we ended up with two or three of them living in the property um, and they shouldn't have been. And we had complaints from neighbours and all the rest of it. Um, but in the end, you know, I, I worked with the agents and we we sorted um, sorted the stuff out. But this is where it comes back to, you know, when you've got a problem, you want to make sure you've got someone decent at the other end of the, the phone or the other end of, uh, other end of Tinternet to um, help sort things out for you. Um, so yes, there's been. Some oh, questions. I love that. <laughs> yeah, Tinternet. Yes. Um, yeah, and I and I we, we are I think six uh, percent yield, six percent gross yield, which I know for some people isn't um, fantastic. You know, the, the, those of you who are doing service accommodation or HMOs or holiday lets or whatever, but that that is is fine. You know, I've I've invested for the long term. My whole journey into property has been about building up long-term wealth, building up a retirement pension pot. So I haven't been investing for um, to, to generate income here and now. It's not income that I've, I've, I've needed. I've been doing other things as well, which has, has been generating income. But so for me, I, I, my strategy is long-term investment, you know, buy to lets because I... Um, that's just where I'm at in terms of my risk profile, in terms of hassle factor. Um, decent yield, <clears throat> excuse me, decent yields and capital growth. So I'm, I'm looking at total return rather than just cash flow. Has to make sense from a cash flow point of view um, in that there's a surplus and, you know, and it is cash flowing. Um, but I couple that with, 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 with capital growth and I look at the total return. And so uh, crack off has worked in that respect uh, uh, as uh, have my um, my others as well so <clears throat> oh great stuff now you know people in the room you would have seen that I've I've pinned a link to Louise's link tree and if you tap on that you will be able to see that she offers a 30-minute due diligence health check stroke of a meeting you know if you're looking to do any long distance investing I would honestly, I really would recommend that you speak to Louise. She also does a free expert, um, ex expert, <laughs> expat and property investor guide, which you can download from her link tree. Um, and I pinned earlier her website, Property Ventures. Now, you, you, Louise's um, link tree is on her, um, on her Instagram, which you can get to. Let me let me go to your Insta. If you, in fact, you know, just go to, okay, it's louise.a.reynolds. But if you go to Instagram and you just search, search for Louise Reynolds, you will get to her Insta and then you'll be able to get to her link tree. 
absolutely amazing. You know, I, I, I love that you do that. And Louise, you are also a buying agent, aren't you? So, you know, for people in the room, I, I introduced earlier that I do the podcast series, Maximising Property Values, which I will pin towards the end of, you know, this particular session. And um, in there, normally it's a monologue. It's just me talking about the different areas that I'm talking about. And in episodes 11 to 13, so three episodes, 11, 12 and 13, I spoke about how people can maybe start a property business with not very much money and the third of these was in episode 13 where I was talking about being a buying agent because you know what people if you are that Louise combines this with other areas that she does and in fact episode 12 was about sourcing agents which in fact I am now going into because I'm always I'm always finding stuff that you know I can't take up myself because Right now, I'm buying four properties at the same time, and it's causing me immense, like, hassle. Um, I can't buy everything that I see. That is great. So I also source. Um, so, it, you know, by saying that, you know, people can start a property business without very much money, I am not denigrating anyone. And I'm not saying that people can't afford to buy their own properties. I'm just saying it's a no-brainer. If, if you can help people and get paid for your expertise it's it's another income stream that you can add to your situation and i always actually say to my mentees don't just look to buy you know properties to let out or to flip also look to add these extra you know income streams to what you're doing you know either become a sourcing agent or you know a buying agent or you know something like that and louise is a buying agent so louise please talk to us about being a buying agent Will do. Thanks, Patricia. And, and just before I come on to that, uh, thanks very much for sharing my uh, link. Th my downloadable guide, I'm actually revamping for 2022. Um, not quite as we speak, because I wouldn't want to multitask during your, <laughs> your podcast <laughs> interview here, Patricia. Um, but So that will be up. And I, I have, have revamped it to include a lot of my um, distance due diligence tips, techniques and all the rest of it. So it will be called um, Seven Steps to De-Risking. So it will be a, a, an expat and investor guide. Um, seven steps to de-risking um, property investment. So, um, you know, by all means, download the one that's there now, and then there'll be a new one for 2022 with um, a lot more of my due diligence uh, tools and techniques built built in. So have one of each, and it's very easily downloadable from my from my website. And I do send out regular mailers with tips and all the rest of it. I'm not um, a spammy person. It's very much an opt-in um, session. So again, that's that's what I do. So yeah buying agent so i yeah if you if you like so technically a buying agent is someone who is um retained by a buyer or an investor to to to, to, to secure or to find a property on their behalf and it's a term that's used more in um lifestyle um uh, purchases so you, you you'll have like the kirsty and phil of this world um, home buying, so more lifestyle purchases. And it's in that world that people would recognise that terminology better. Whereas here in the investor world, um, sourcing is much more of a, of a recognised uh, term. So I, I, to, to, to translate or to bridge that gap, I would say it's a personalised sourcing service. So I don't 
I'm not process driven or product driven as in, you know, I've got a deal and, um, you know, I've, I've, I've developed a whole load of systems for offloading deals on people. And, that, and that's a, in a very different place from from you as well, Patricia. Um, it sounds like if you've got a deal that you can't um, uh, do, you know, do anything with or progress with because uh, you're chock a block, you've got um, a tight knit network or community um, who you would uh, pass that on to. And that's yeah. And that's that's kind of um, the ethos of what I do. It's, 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 it's starting with the investor first. So, for example, if an expat comes uh, to me and says, look, you know, and, and, and this worked particularly well during Covid, you know, expats, whether they're based in Dubai or Europe or Indonesia or Hong Kong, wherever it might be, Singapore, can't get here to do the the, the investing. I have um, taken a brief from them. I've been retained by them. You know, there's a retainer fee. You know, the balance of my um, uh, fees are due once I've uh, successfully found the property um, for them. But so I would then, what you know, work with them to, to work up a brief, what the criteria is, what it is they want and then go out and find that property, which they then uh, buy. And I'm there offering the support guidance and all the way through it. And that works really well for distance investors who can't be here, um, who are busy with their day jobs. You know, they're in a professional career and don't have the time or potentially the um, expertise to do that. So I, I, I've um, helped or maybe someone's just even, you know, lacking the confidence to get started. So that's that's the role that I, I play. But I mean, I also... Um, help out of area investors or just just people who are busy in the southeast because I'm based in Surrey and I can offer that service around the home counties so if someone's um, a busy professional and wants to build up um, and you know pr property portfolio or buy a, a property and they haven't got the time or the know-how then that's something I can and help with and you know you tend to get a lot of investors who are wanting to get onto the property ladder who are based in the southeast who can't afford or don't you know they they, they 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 you know in their mind think they can't get onto the property ladder in the southeast and then they invest up north this is sort of almost the reverse of that um and and for me a way of getting on the property ladder in the expensive southeast is as you say patricia by adding value and and uh, you know, i mean that's what i've just done recently i bought um uh, a rundown property in surrey um, so I'm developing it, I'm just waiting planning permission. Um, I've basically got to gut the property, start again, redo the whole layout, but also build on it, build an extension. Um, and so I negotiated and got it um, at a decent price. I'm going to have to spend a decent whack of money on it, but it also means that um, you know the, the the value should be there. So it's always keeping an eye on adding the value. But, you know, by getting in at a cheaper price, having negotiated on a, on a property that's run down, you reduce your stamp duty land tax up front, you know, so you reduce a lot of those costs and you're building in value. Um, sorry, and just on that, and, and actually adding value doesn't have to be buying and renovating or developing all at the outset. I mean, that's obviously an option um, and you get the chance to retrofit and do some of these sort of whizzy green things to it. Um, another way is a slow-mo reno, because um, I've got an experience of doing that. I mean, another property that I bought, I could see the potential, great location. Um, it was very shabby rundown. Um, again, I got a, got a great price on it um, and I've done a slow-mo. So I, 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 I set out with a plan to make it livable and decent 
and charge a commensurate market rent. Or in fact, it was below below the market uh, rent because I did I did some stuff to it, and then with a view to doing bits and pieces, improving, um, and then lifting or gradually lifting up the rent so that it was reflective more of, of a market rent and 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 the, the um, condition of the property. So there are a couple of ways of doing it: slow mo or all in one um, fail swoop, a big bang approach either either can work um and again there i've 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 pushed up and, and got um decent yield on that and and got the capital growth so um does that explain buying agent what oh yes it does um uh, you know I, yeah, I liked how you actually described it earlier which is it's 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 personalized sourcing and that really is what it is you know they are two flips you know two sides of the same coin um and yeah it, you know, I, I i never understand when people say oh i can't find this or i can't find that or i oh i can't do anything because there are people out there who can help you there are people out there who will help you um so you know people you know open up your eyes and and you know if you need help go get it and if you can help offer it because you know the, property is so vast you know, we can we don't have to only make money by owning and renting out or owning and flipping we can also make decent money by you know being an agent of some sort either a buying agent or a sourcing agent and um okay fine we have to work hard and you know, i spend hours like on the internet but that's fine I love what I'm doing. If you love property and you're passionate about property, honestly, consider these two routes, especially if you think you don't have enough money to buy your own, because you can still make money from property. So, yeah. Thank you, Louise. Yeah. And can I just add in one other thing there, Patricia, about what you're saying about um, people not thinking they can find deals and, and all the rest of it? Um, yeah. I mean, with, with, with this um, property that I'm I'm developing, I don't know whether I was um, fortunate or whether, uh, you know, or what it was, but I, like you, did lots and lots of um, research looking at properties and I had a very um, clear idea of what it was that I was looking for. And I only went to look at two properties. Um, one I went to have a look at and it was so run down. I just thought it is, it has got problems crawling out of the woodwork that I can't possibly cost for or anticipate so it, it looks as though it's gonna be a bottomless pit and then this one that i got which was the only one that i offered on um and which wasn't accepted to begin with so it was a bit of haggling and negotiation to and fro going on um but there's there's something sometimes just about identity it's a problem property but identifying the right problems that you think you can solve and add value to but also to do with timing <clears throat> i sensed that everybody was getting a bit frazzled with this transaction and that that you know I, I i could see that i could could help there so sometimes it's a question of um clarifying what the problem is that needs to be solved and is it one that you are adept at solving or secondly is it just a question of timing you know every, everyone's just just getting desperate um or as patricia says if you if you um are, are not a, um, comfortable with with identifying those opportunities then there's there's plenty of help out there definitely definitely louise oh that is you know i 
I honestly just have to thank you guys who come onto this guest series and you just educate us because I've learned I've learned from you, you know, in this in this hour that we've been talking and um, not only, you know, about property things, um, step led, for instance, I, I, I just like that acronym. I just absolutely love it. It's it's just it's and it's not something that I'm going to forget that easily. So really, really good. Excellent. Um, now, the, the, so, you know, people in the room, if you want to listen back on this, it's going to be on Clubhouse. It will be under my profile and it will be under Louise's profile. But if you want to listen to it, you know, on your favourite podcast uh, listening app, if you kind of like, you know, bookmark Maximising Property Values, it will be published next week, Wednesday. So on Wednesday, it will be published. Um, usually it goes on at 1 a.m. So if you wake up on Wednesday, you will be able to download it as a podcast. So two, two things and it will be there for you. Um, now, what I would like to say is, Louise, unless you've got any closing kind of like remarks or advice for us, I honestly want to thank you. But let me come back to you. Have you got any closing words of wisdom for us? Um, anything that you'd like um, to, you know, advise people who, who are listening to this? I, I think just take a pragmatic approach to property investing and, and to life, really. I I do think that people come a cropper when they're, they're chasing the dream, the get-rich-quick dream. Um you know, there's always a certain amount of effort that has to go in um, and insight and knowledge and all the rest of it. And sometimes you can look at someone who makes it look easy, like you, Patricia. You're very, very experienced to make things look look very easy. But there's well, <laughs> there's a well, there's a, no, but there's a well, no, but I, just everyone, you know, we, we're all adept at doing something. So someone doing something will look easy to someone else that doesn't know how to do that. But behind that is an awful lot of experience, an awful lot of education, an awful lot of grind um, and effort. So I, 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 I would just say, you know, be pragmatic about it, that, you know, the, 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 follow dreams, but also put the effort in, it, you know, things aren't, well, the, 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 there's effort and research and insight and knowledge that, that, that does go into making things work in the property world. And um, yeah, don't get too seduced by, um, uh, but, but, but by promises of everything being really easy. I think that's probably... Um, you know you are so true um and you know we can make money do you know let me just have a quick look in the room um i was talking to um someone yesterday and they'd been given incorrect advice and i said to i said to the person i said well look it may be that nothing will come of it if you do what you're talking about i said that you know for me I would not do that because, you know, when I'm building my business, I want it to be on firm foundations. I want it to be done on the right side of the law. I don't want to be breaking any laws in running my business. Um, so and I think that, again, was a little bit of, you know, everyone's talking about being a property millionaire. And I would like a bit of that, um, too. Thank you. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. Thank you, thank you very much um, for those words of wisdom. So for people in the room, 
thank you so much for joining myself and Louise today um, on this Maximising Property Values guest series show. Like I say, her podcast will be um, released on Wednesday week. And next week, I've got Rosita McGowan. So if you're into, if you're into tax and you maybe want to learn a bit more about how tax kind of like fits in with property, be here next week and come and learn. So it's on a Wednesday. The guest series are always on a Wednesday at 12 noon. And Louise, thank you so, so much. And, you know, for people who might be listening to the podcast, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do review. Review it. Review it. Let us just know what you think of it. You know, rate it, because that would be really, really good to get your feedback. And so thank you very much. And um, have a lovely day, everyone. And see you next week, Wednesday, for my next guest. Do take care.